we're talking about lines of credit. My, yes. my philosophy has always been, you know, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And the time to get it is, is really when you don't need it. This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, I'm Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Pest as well as Triangle Lawn. And with me is my compadre in arms. It, it actually is today we're recording on St. Patty's Day. Dan, could I say that you look like a leprechaun today? Could I? You can. That, it, it might not be true. And um, this is how oblivious I am. I didn't even realize it was St. Patty's Day. Oh, oh gosh. So. All right. So hang on. I got to give you a chance. So introduce yourself, introduce yeah. our sponsor, and then our topic, yeah. and I can introduce yeah. our yeah. guest. Well, hello, everyone. This is Dan Gordon from uh, PCO Bookkeepers, PCO MA specialist. Uh, we do. Uh, accounting work for the pest and lawn industry, as well as uh, exit planning. And um, with us today, oh, uh, sorry. Today's episode is sponsored by Coal March by WorkWave. So if you're interested in digital, um, uh, a digital agency and, and you want to talk to some folks, uh, look at their website, coalmarch.com. And now let's introduce the topic. This is kind of a... a, a you know, we 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 had this scheduled for a couple of weeks, and um, turns out that this couldn't be a more relevant uh, uh, discussion. We have with us today uh, Lee McGinnis. He's a senior vice president at uh, a local bank in North Carolina called Fidelity Bank. If I have that wrong, Lee, you can tell me if it's uh, you know. But um, uh, the topic is: Is my money safe? And other small business banking questions. And the reason we changed the the, the title to "Is my money safe?" is because when that SVB bank failed on last week, um, my email box and my phone lit up. Hey, is my money safe? What are we doing? So um, we kind of wanted to, to talk about that. So I am going to read Lee's CV just for everybody. Lee is a senior vice president and senior business development officer for Fidelity Bank in Cary, North Carolina. He's been in banking for more than 37 years, most of that time in small business commercial banking. He's experienced working with startups to firms with more than 100 million in revenue. Lee also has expertise in business acquisition, real estate purchasing and construction, equipment purchasing, cash management, and working capital lines of credit. Welcome, Lee. Well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. I will add that um, to his intro there that I actually just just full disclosure here for our listeners. I'm very good friends with Lee uh, from a business perspective. He he does all things triangle. Uh, I've been so impressed with what he does. I've been so impressed with his professionalism that that's why we invited him on. So, uh, so Lee, welcome. Glad to have you on board. Glad to be talking about this. And I can tell you that much like what Dan said, I cannot think of a more relevant topic then right now, uh, it's Friday, March 17th, as we're recording this, and this SVB thing is still not over. So I want to start with that, you know, and probably the biggest question I think a lot of our, our listeners have is like, hey, I'm I'm with a regional bank right now. Like, what, what about those guys? I mean, obviously, we see what's happening in the tech world, and there's a huge meltdown in jobs, and, you know, the economy is definitely uh, in a much different space. 
from a technology company perspective, I will say on the field service side, we we don't, I mean, I haven't felt it yet, Dan. I don't know if you've seen it in your clients, but we're we're cruising along just normal as can be. But talk to me about like these smaller and kind of more regional banks. Are they kind of under the same pressure? Are they having the same issues that SVB is? Like what? And, and then we can kind of walk into like, how did the SVB thing even happen? But let's start with the first main question, which is everyone's wanting to know is like, is my money safe or not? Yeah, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, you, th- th- there's multiple rating services, uh, you know, interesting, like like Forbes five days prior to the SVB collapse had them as investment grade. Uh, and they were five years in a row uh, on Forbes, uh, um, investment grade kinds of banks. So, you know, how much faith do you have in some of these rating services? I mean, Bauer uh, uh, Financial Services is a good uh, rating service and it's publicly uh, publicly available. You can just go to their website and you plug in the state, wherever you, you're at, and then it'll give you a list of the banks and recommended by Bauer is a, is, is a four or five. And so you'll see, you know, every bank that's in North Carolina, for example, whatever state that you're in, you'll see those ratings. And, uh, you know, to me, it gets down to, you know, some common sense things here. Talk to your banker. Look at the bank's website. Look at their, you know, their financials are reported. Just understand what their balance sheet looks like, what their earnings look like. And and you, you, you know whether they're, you know, doing risky types of lending and things like that. Uh, just have that conversation. And then uh, again, there are other, you know, reports, call reports, uh, you know, that that rates a bank on their balance sheet, their income statement. I mentioned Bauer, uh, you know, at the end of the day, FDIC insured accounts, that's the safest uh, place for businesses and individuals to keep their money. Uh, again, it's $250,000 per depositor. The FDIC does have a really good site where you can go in and, you know, kind of a quick and easy understanding of what FDIC insurance is, uh, what it covers, what it doesn't cover, uh, you know, frequently asked questions. And there's also a, uh, a calculator they've got that's very easy to use, you know, plug in numbers, different scenarios, understand how you in you know individually and as a company may be impacted so i have a question because i really two parts here the first one is do you know how the svb thing got started i mean it was it they were i i, I read a thing that they were pretty leveraged into crypto and if you don't know i mean it's fine right i mean i'm just curious like does anyone know like how this all but, but got started yeah, so so what you said was five days earlier you had a, a good yeah week. is there any way that the, you, this could have been telegraphed if 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 i were you know a guy who you know moderately looked at my bank and you know i mean any way that you could have told that this was coming or is you know that's the way a run on a bank works it just Festers and snowballs. A uh, great question. I'm not an expert at that. Uh, you know, I look at things from a common sense perspective. You know, if I can understand it, you know, I guess it's if I can't understand it, crypto, <laughs> all those things, just 
you know, I'm going to have questions about it. So I know that was a component of it. I know that they were, uh, you know, the, the, the deposits that they were investing in, long-term deposits. And then when rates went up and their margins decreased and they had a very small margin of liquidity and then they had a run on the bank and they went upside down. Uh, again, a lot more complicated than what I can explain here, but. No, know. I mean, well, I don't understand yeah. banking. I mean, I really don't. I mean, like in general, what would cause them a bank to even go upside down? I mean, like this is fundamentally talk about how to. Well, it goes, it goes upside down. It goes upside down. So if I, re- if I invest in one and a half percent T bills and the rate goes up to four and a half percent, my asset value comes down. So if I have a thousand dollar bond with a, uh, you know, a 1.5% coupon, if now the market's at 5%, then that $1,000 bond is less significantly less than $1,000, mm-hmm. unless you hold it to maturity. And if you have right. a run on it, that that then they have to sell it and realize all those losses. That's right. how it happens. But, you know, is every bank in that position? How do we know? And And do we you know, they're a local bank or a regional bank. Does this happen to Chase or Bank of America or Wells Fargo? What do you think, Ray? Uh, great, great questions. Again, that's above my pay grade to understand all of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish it was clear. Uh, you know, there's there's also a, a rating out there. It's called uh, Camels. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's not publicly available. But that really gets at the heart of what... Uh, you know, how a bank works as as capital, you know, adequacy, asset quality, management, earnings, liquidity, and sensitivity. Uh, You know, you know, how sensitive is the bank to market risk? It would have been nice to know that with SVB. Unfortunately, that's not public information. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to answer your question, Dan, and I'm, I'm no banker either, but, you know, as of right now, it's, Friday morning or late morning, you know, like think about Credit Suisse, right? I mean, that's a big bank and they've got to well, run. First going. Republic as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, it, I think it does go larger than regional banks. I think it, I think a lot of it has to do with industry and investments. Like, what are you in? You know what I mean? And then where, I mean, we all, I, I say we all, but there's no denying that the tech world right now is in a moment of reckoning. <laughs> you know, all of these you know, expectations and in my mind, overvaluations. And, and now that the rates are going up and money's not cheap anymore, I think it's just like, it's, it's the reality time. And, and maybe that's limited to the industries or, you know, banks and companies that are really heavy into tech. I don't know. Again, much like what Lee said, I'm, I'm not at privy in that world, but it, outside looking in, that's what it seems privy to. So let's, let's circle back here real quick. 250K insurance for a business is not a whole lot. It's just not, you know, if you're running a company, especially if you're running payroll and yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so FDIC basically says, okay, if a bank gets a run and they get upside down and they fold, the government's going to give you back at least 250 K. What can I do to mitigate my risk? Because, you know, I, I, I mean, I know in the case of Triangle, right, if that happened, I mean, we would be decimated and we don't have multiple accounts. I mean, what are some strategies that I could use to just mitigate some risk if I'm concerned about my bank? 
What I would suggest is, you know, I mentioned this earlier, is uh, FDIC.gov. They've got a calculator there that's very easy to use, and you can plug in different scenarios, your personal accounts, your joint accounts, your business accounts, how all that works, and it will calculate your coverage for you. It'll show you plus or minus, uh, and I've done that since all of this happened. I've spent you know quite a bit of time with clients uh, on the phone going through that and modeling you know the scenario myself and then having the client go on that site as well. Uh, and then you know for the most part, we're on the same page, but if there's any differences, we'll talk about that calculation. But that's the best information that I've seen to be honest with you because there are some nuances about uh, who gets covered, how by how much. But that site will tell you pretty quickly whether you're covered for everything and then strategies uh, to, uh, you know, either move money. We've actually had some clients moving money in this week because they were, you know, they weren't covered at another bank. Um, And I'm sure there's conversations going the other way as well. But uh, that's one of the best, best resources I've seen so far. So the FDIC seen, website yeah, we, has has strategies on there of how to mitigate that risk is what you're saying. Yeah, it, it will calculate what your coverage is. And then, you know, as far as the, you know, going from there, it's just conversations with your banker, to be honest with you about, okay, I'm not covered for this amount. Uh, is it temporary? Is it permanent? And then employee strategies from there. Gotcha. So Lee, I, I uh, you know, I, do a column for PMP magazine. And I did some research on this because I just read an article on it. And I came across some, I'll call them aggregators, where these are smaller banks that you can put as much money as you want in it. And they will, you know, ladder it out to, let's say you wanted to have two and a half million dollars. They'll find 10 other banks and and do, you know, so so that you're uh, protected that way. Is that something... um, you know, uh, is is that something that you've ever heard of? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, brokered CDs uh, is what we call that. And yeah, you can do that. Um, we've got resources for that as well. It's uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, it really depends what you're looking for. Now, for example, one of the things that uh, I'll guarantee you that you would have seen SVB on that list for paying higher rates. And you do have to question, why is this bank paying you know, an above market rate? So if you're shopping for a rate, that's one of the, that's one of the tools that people use. But again, yeah. you, you, gotta, you gotta understand why this bank is paying a higher rate and under, you know, understand the risk that may be involved there. Are they trying to raise deposits because you know, they've got a, they've got, you know, they, they can't cover their debts and those kinds of things. Question got erased, but yeah, that's a strategy uh, as well uh, for. Let me, let, me, let me pause you there real quick. So I just want to make sure our listeners are catching what you're saying. It works just like it would if you're going for a home mortgage. So if you're a higher risk, you're going to pay a higher rate. You know, I mean, it's, that's the, the reality of it is, is that if you, I mean, in, in, Again, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, Lee, so just stop me if I am. But 
you know, the fact of the matter is that someone has done some research there. And for whatever reason, they think that they're going to get, you need that money more and you're going to pay a higher rate for it, which means it's going to be riskier. So if you see a higher risk, much like what you're saying, that would draw questions into your mind. Like, why are they paying the higher rate? And most likely it's going to be because it's riskier. <laughs> I'm not going to say always, but the vast majority of the time, it's, it all, it, that risk is the big driver there. Is that, is that a good way to summarize that? Absolutely. And again, it just, it, it just, you need to pause and ask the question, you know, now more than ever, you know, because of things like this, just ask that question. You know, the grass is not always greener. There may be a reason. Right. Right. So one of the other things that we came up with is um, like joint accounts. That's double. So that's 500,000. Uh, so consider, you know, uh, maybe 250 in your com- corporation name, because that's one entity, and then a joint account maybe with your spouse. Or does it does it have to be spouse? Could could you and I open up a joint account and get 500000 does Or does, is there a spousal thing? That- I don't know that there's a spousal thing. But again, that's where that, that FDIC.gov site, that calculator, it breaks it down into all the different types of account. Uh, Sole proprietorship, uh, joint, joint with beneficiary, business account. You can plug in any kind of those scenarios and understand what your coverage would be. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's. All right. So we've, we've been talking about how to protect our money. Now, let's talk about my favorite topic, which is how to get money. Um, <laughs> so let's transition a little bit. And let's, you know, I want to talk a little bit about. Um, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of business owners use is obviously a, a really good bank is really important for you to have, you know, whether it be, you know, lines of credit and, you know, vehicle loans, if you do it that way. Um, just, and, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, getting back to the whole risk thing, you know, especially the smaller operators, they're really having to put a personal guarantee on, you know, anything that the bank gives them. And so I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking a little bit about loans and lines of credit and how do we, you know, first of all, how do you, you know, how do you get your best deal from your bank? Um, And this, and I mean, I probably want to, not probably, I do want to start with lines of credit because I think that's probably the most common that I see. Um, But let's, let's start with a line of credit first. Like what is the best way for me to get as much of a line of credit that I can without a personal guarantee like what what are the components that are in that and maybe maybe the good way is to talk through how the bank sees those and then maybe after that we can talk about things that you can do to 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 get yourself in a great position yeah so from a banker's perspective and this applies to both loans and lines of credit you know we we look at policy is that anyone that owns greater than 20 percent of a company um should be a guarantor. And in, in 37 plus years of banking, just, you know, these are my terms, but when I hear that, I my question is, why doesn't the why doesn't the owner believe in his company? When he doesn't or she doesn't want to do the personal guarantee. Yeah. It a little just, risk it, mitigation, that's all. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but, but why should why should the bank take the risk? I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's the same question that the bank is is looking at. And so, uh, you know, for th- that personal that personal guarantee, it just it, it mitigates the risk that the bank takes. So now we've got two sources of repayment 
the operating company, and now the the the, the guarantor. And in most cases, uh, owners take money out of the company, uh, you know, for tax purposes and things like that. And so, you know, that's where a lot of that money goes. And so, we want to have that re- that 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 source of repayment and. The, the other piece to look at, and this applies to both lines of credit and term loans, is that most banks utilize a global debt service coverage. And so we take the income of both the company and the owner as a source of repayment for our loan. And because most owners take money out of the company, having that additional income you know, typically drives the debt service coverage higher, better. And the better the debt service coverage, the better rate, terms, et cetera, you're going to get. So this is a really important point. And so if you think about you have uh, debt service coverage, um, you know, um, in your loan, because at the end of the day, the owner can pull all the money out of the company and leave nothing for the bank. So the bank has to require that you leave, you know, they have covenants written into the loan agreements that say, you've got to, you know, you're only allowed to remove this much profit, or you have to have this interest rate coverage, but it's a, it's a very important point. It is. I mean, you can get into covenants, uh, you know, like uh, limiting contributions or distributions, uh, you know, post-distribution debt service coverage, uh, pre-distribution. You can have all that. Just in in a nutshell, that's why banks look for the guarantor. And in in our case, it being, you know, a in three states community bank, what I would call a community bank, uh, you know, we, we lend to people that we know. And that's, Part of what we do, we understand their business. We understand the people. Uh, we're not making risky, risky loans, and so that 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 that's just a part of it as well. And so, you know, I don't really run into that very often because, again, it just, you know, they are the company. The company is them in a lot of cases. So, what about collateral? So. Um... Yeah, I'll personally guarantee it, but you want to tie up my house, you want to tie up my building, you want to tie up my accounts receivable and whatnot. How do you carve that up? And let's say that, you know, my uh, leasing company wants a piece of it too. So I don't want to give it all, all my collateral to one source. How, how do you deal with that? Yeah, the, you know, banks look for, you know, three sources of repayment. The primary source of repayment the operating company, the cash flow generated by the operating company, for example. Secondary source, uh, you know, is typically the guarantor, uh, in particular looking at liquidity of the guarantor. And then the, the, the third source of repayment is sell of the collateral. And, you know, it's the last place that you want to be, but it's still an option for a bank. And, and it's there, to, it's there to protect the bank. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, the stronger their collateral, the better terms, the better rate, liquidity. Obviously, we love real estate. We love, uh, you know, when you start, you know, equipment. You know, you're limited what you can do there. Advance rates, things like that. Accounts receivable. Um, 
the inventory, those kinds of things. And you know, so it changes a little bit what you can advance. And some of that is based on FDIC guidance as well. So just to recap there, just things that make you look good. Number one is that you've got to have strong cash flow or you should have strong cash flow. Second thing is that you should have liquidity either in the operating company or you personally. And then number three, that you've got some sort of assets that can be sold off if possible. Can you just, I mean, one of the things that I was told by an accountant many, many years ago, you guys may know him, I don't know, but never ask for money when you need it, right? I mean, when someone wants- I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> when you I just mean, described, if all those things are in place, you probably don't- Why the hell do you even need a lot? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So, so you know, I, I guess bringing this back to you, Lee, you know, if those are the drivers, right? It's cash flow, it's liquidity- it's assets to sell. Um, when should, I mean, and, and this sounds like such an obvious question, but I just want to re- reiterate it just so for our listeners, you know, when should you be asking for a line and how much should you be asking for? Is there, are there any, like as much as you can get, is it 20% of your business? Is it a percentage of your cash flow? Like what, how do you, when do you do it? And then what is a reasonable amount to be asking for? Yeah, so if, if we're talking about lines of credit, my, yes. my philosophy has always been, you know, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And the time to get it is is really when you don't need it. When, you, when you're flush with cash, things are going well. Yeah. That's the time to have the line of credit in place. And the beauty of a line of credit is, you know, other than maybe an origination fee, if you don't borrow against it, you don't pay anything back. Right. You know, and it revolves in you know, if you do use it and you pay it back, and it, it just it revolves. One uh, one question before you go any further, because I want to bring this back to our listeners, which is how far back do you guys go when you're evaluating cash flow? Is it six months? Is it a year? Is it five years? Like generally speaking, I I mean it doesn't have to be specifically for your bank, but but just how far is it? What is pretty standard for someone to go back in terms of? Yeah, I would say this is consistent industry wide. That's two years uh, prior two years tax returns and then uh, interims. Uh, you know, I don't think that we would require February interims here at the end of the year, but we would you know look back to the uh, December 22 year end balance sheet and income statement, accounts receivable aging, uh, accounts payable aging, those kind of things. So two years tax returns. And that applies to both the business and the guarantors. Gotcha. So just for our listeners, I'd say November and December are great times to be applying. Would you agree with that, Dan? (laughs) That's when all the cash comes in. So, but if I were applying for a loan today, so you said you wouldn't ask for interim. So what you would ask for is 2021 and 22 tax returns. Is that right? No, I would ask for, because I'm assuming that 22 tax returns are not yet completed. So we need the year-end uh, QuickBooks uh, balance sheet and income statement gotcha. for 22, but then 21 and 20 tax returns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if the tax return is ready, you would take it. That'd be oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So so bringing it back around. So there's there's that piece of it. Um, you know, making sure that you know you're going to look back that far. Um, so other things that we could do to to to. I guess, look good and be ready to go when it comes to, you know, getting a, a line or getting lined up for a line as much as I can. Yeah. Well, I, 
you know, what I'd say is, is build the relationship with your banker and it goes both ways is, you know, meet with your bank on a regular basis. I mean, quarterly would be fine. Uh, bankers love that. And just, just go over the numbers, go over how that particular bank or banker looks at credit. What are they looking for? Different banks have different you know, criteria, you know, how they underwrite, what their debt service coverage requirements are, what industries they're, they're lending in. Uh, some are going to be impacted by kind of the, the category of the business, uh, you know, any concentrations in certain industries and things like that. That changes over time. So I'd say just build that relationship. The other thing is have a, a really strong financial resource, you know, account manager, controller, your accountant, CPA, you know, keep the numbers current. And as the business owner, you know, know, know what they mean yeah. uh, and meet with your accountant and your banker, you know, that, and, and in that way, everybody's on the same page as far as what that particular bank or banker is looking for, you know. So uh, what are, what are the KPIs? Is it current ratio? Is it acid test? Or what what are what are, like if if I said to you, Haley, you got one thing you can look at in order to approve this loan, what would that one thing be? Well, I, I can only speak for us, and that, that's simply cash flow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is what we look at. Balance sheet, absolutely. That's where the cash sits. We understand all that. That's important, but it's really driven by the debt service coverage. Gotcha. And I would say just, just as a thing for our listeners, I, I'm a fan of regional banks just because of what Lee just said, which is there's a relationship and there's an ability to pull someone in and actually have them see, you know, sometimes there's a story behind the numbers and you don't even get the opportunity with larger banks to even tell that story. I had an experience happen on the personal side uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm, I'm recording this from my home, but I went to, when I was buying this home, I, I will tell the companies I was, I was using the, the rocket mortgage mortgage. Now remember QuickBook loans or whatever it was. Do you guys yeah, remember? Quicken yeah. Loans, yeah, yeah, Quicken loans, whatever. Mortgage. So that's who I was getting my mortgage through. Um, I don't pay all cash for, you know, big houses like Dan does, but, but I had to use a loan. Um, wow. That's <laughs> it. So, so, so I'm I was sitting, sitting on I was sitting on Donnie's wallet the other day and I got yeah. a nosebleed. From yeah. So so we're like, I'm, I'm, I mean, we're here. We're ready to close. Like we're one week from closing and, you know, all the paperwork's done. The, you know how you go through all the insurance. I mean, you know, you go through all the inspections and those types of things. And apparently some person in Michigan, I'm in North Carolina, some person in Michigan does what they call a desktop appraisal, I guess is what they called it. And the loan got denied one week out from closing. And I, as you can imagine, that created quite the situation. Um, and I ended up having to go and go to find someone else to do. I mean, we and we had an appraisal that showed that the house, you know, perfectly appraised for the value that it did. But but for whatever reason, this person in Michigan disagreed, never been here, doesn't know the market, doesn't know anything at all about what's going on and says, well, it doesn't it breaks the formula. We're not doing it. And so bringing that back to why I like regional and local banks is because, you know, in your business, oftentimes, especially if you're an entrepreneur that's pretty aggressive, sometimes there's a lot more going on than what the numbers just say. And it's really good to have someone to sit down and show them. And, you know, ultimately, if you have a good track record, they can buy into you. 
buy into you, not just what that stat says. And so I think that's a really key thing to have in your corner because, you know, if you're, if you're a big risk taker or if you're really growing your company quickly and, you know, your numbers aren't going to always look great. I mean, that's just a fact of the matter. I mean, that's why we use composite, but Dan, any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm sure you've seen it and where you're sitting at, I mean, you get to look at everyone's numbers, you get to see what everyone's doing, but it's, yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole local bank is it, it's an yes, you have a relationship with somebody and 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 you need to 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 be dealing with a local bank. But, you know, if, if you read a lot of the articles that came out about this SVB thing, you know, oh, geez, would that happen to a big bank? And could it? It absolutely could. But if Chase or Wells or. Uh, Bank of America went under, boy, the country's really in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, so, um, you know, there's up until last week, you weren't thinking about things like this. And a local bank is extremely important. There's definitely a place for, uh, you know, big national banks as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's move on here. So if, um, if someone has had, say, a less than stellar um, track record in terms of loan repayment, whatever. How does someone deal with that? And how, you know, what kind of advice would you give a person who may not have the best credit score or they, you know, in the past, they've been a part of a, of a failed business and, and there's, you know, what, what can they do to, you know, I guess, get as much as they possibly can, you know, from what, from what they need from the bank? Is it still like, well, if your cash flow is there, you're all good to go? Or is it like, well, your credit score is not where it needs to be in tough, you know, like what, 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 what kind of advice would you give to someone that's in that situation or position? Yeah, you know, I, I see that. Um, and it goes back to what I talked about earlier, just get to know your banker, make sure your banker knows you. Again, you know, particularly if you look at uh, what happened during the pandemic, you know, sales went, were all over the place. Some people did extremely well, some some didn't. But just understanding the story, because remember, one of the things that the, that your banker will do when presenting the credit is to understand your story. Uh, you know, why did sales go up? Why did sales go down? Uh, not just the fact that they went up or down, but why? And then, you know, the credit, Un you know, there's a story. No, none of us are perfect, but what caused that? Um, and I would suggest to everyone, you know what your, your personal credit score is. You get a free annual credit report. Uh, you know, understand what it is, what's on there. Uh, obviously, paying your bills on time, you know, it, it's trailing. So, you know, make sure the, the, that, you know, if you're past due, most recently, that's not a good sign. If right. it was five years ago and there's a story, that's understandable. You can mitigate that. You know, set everything up on auto draft, uh, and that way you never forget. And then uh, the other thing is, you know, keep your credit utilization less than 30%. That's a new measure on your score. Um, how do you know what your utilize like? How do you know a hundred what a hundred percent is for each person? Well, if you got a, a ten thousand dollar credit card, you don't want to go over three thousand dollars. Okay, so but but it's not a formula based on who you are, what you make. What it, it's just I got a amount of credit, hundred thousand dollars worth of credit, only right. is thirty. 
Right, exactly. That's 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 how that's calculated. So just keep it below. That's free. that that's revolving. How about a mortgage? How do they consider? I, I you know, I don't know the answer on that. I, whether it's thirty percent or not, but uh, I know it is on the like credit cards and revolvers and things like that. And uh, I've actually you know told my kids that as well. Is they're they're right. that is they're at that age now, but just keep it below thirty percent. But uh, again, it goes. I'd say, I mean, talk to your banker. You know, we're humans as well, and uh, just understand if there's a story there, and you know whether it can be mitigated or not. And uh, Dan, I want to I want to switch gears here for a second. I'm going to put you on the spotlight because I know that you shine in it, and you know you just love the spotlight. But you see a lot of folks, and you do a lot of accounting for a lot of different companies in our industry. What would you say the number one thing that gets people in trouble when it comes to banking and finances? Like what really gets them in trouble and kind of starts a process where they can't really get it back on the road? Like I have definitely seen companies where it turned into a show and then eventually they got down to a point. It was either sell or die. Um, what would you say gets people in that position? Well, obviously, if you don't run a good business that's making money and it's bleeding, that's right. a problem. But one of the things that we addressed before is owners taking too much money out of the company, right? Because you could say that I have a credit line for a million dollars, but I have no cash in the bank, but I draw my credit line for 200,000. Who does that 200,000 belong to? Is it the banks? Is it yours? Is it the business? Is it yours to distribute? And we see people do that and they get themselves into really big trouble. I was going to say, you know, again, I, I did this last podcast. I probably should stop doing this, but we were in a, we were in a meeting, Dan and I in a peer group. And one of the people was doing exactly that. And they were, they were basically living on cash that they did not have. And I got super pissed at them. I don't remember Dan. I yelled at him. And I was like, you're spending money that you don't have. And you're talking about stupid stuff and you don't even have enough money to pay your bills. I don't know if you remember that. Don't consider your credit line your cash. Exactly. That's that, it's an emergency. <laughs> it's not. And so anyway, not what, yours. It, what had happened in this scenario is that the owner, I don't know what they were thinking. I think they just thought they just kept living in denial that their business was okay. And as long as they had cash in their account, that it was all right. And the numbers was telling a completely different story. They just had a little bit more runway because of the bank. And I'm like, you know, that's going to end. And it was, anyway, I don't know if you remember that. that there was tears and there was a bunch of, it it's was ugly. ugly. I remember <laughs> it. Was, it was a bad. So bringing it back to you, Lee, um, we got we to gotta wrap up here. Just any parting words of wisdom for folks, you know, that in, in terms of dealing with a bank, some things or some things that you've learned over the years that you feel like would be valuable to share just some some good words of wisdom for our listeners before we end out here. Anything come to mind? Yeah, uh, real quick. Uh, you know, b- bankers lend on the bottom line. Entrepreneurs focus <laughs> on the top line. Such a good point. Yeah, such a great point. Yeah, just understand that. So. You know, when a banker presents a credit, they're, 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 the drivers of those decisions are, you know, it, it's cash flow, it's 
collateral margin, collateral type, management strength, experience, you know, succession plans in place. Um, and then, you know, payment history, you know, the, the you know, relationship with the bank, the more you have with the bank, the more flexibility and creativity comes with that, better rates, better terms, et cetera. Um, and, you know, again, cash is king just, you know, in, in all aspects. And so just banks really like to see that cash, like to see it on the company balance sheet. If not on the company balance sheet, then in the individual's name versus what I'll call toys, uh, we like to see cash. Yeah, Dan has a big boat for all of our listeners. It's a, it's well, so a big toy. If, so, Lee, if, if you had an airplane on your balance sheet, <laughs> Um, is that uh it's not about me dan it's about you uh, yeah, just so you know right. dan, it, yeah. by the way this has been great lee thank you for coming on board talking about sb uh, or svb as well as things that we can do to look good to a bank dan any parting thoughts that you want to add before we finish out here no i think this is a very important topic especially as we go into uncertain economic times it's very important to have a good banking relationship and available money on a credit line, whether you need it or not. Um, there's always, you know, short term there, there's, you know, listen, you might run into trouble, you might need it, but you also might run into some tremendous opportunities when the right. economy flips, mm -hmm. you know, you know, what do they say? One man gathers what another man spills. Right. So. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. The only thing I would add is that I would think that right now is definitely the time to be disciplined in your business. And I say disciplined, I mean, financially disciplined, really looking at what you're doing and not to say you shouldn't spend money and not to say that you should not be marketing. I'm not saying any, I'm just, when I say disciplined, I mean, very careful about how you're spending your money and very thoughtful about how you're leveraging it and making sure that you're getting the most that you possibly can. And I know that's generic and it's very broad, but it's absolutely true because I bet you right now, everyone that's listening, there's something in your business that you're not watching that is probably not as good as it could be had if you go and look at it. And so I would just say right now is a good time to be disciplined and be thinking about that. Well, with that, Lee, thank you again for joining us. Thanks for sharing your knowledge um, and, and sharing it with our listeners. And with that, we're going to close out. Just a reminder that all the resources and topics that we talked about today are available on the podcast website, pmpindustryinsider.com. Just take a look under show notes. Uh, Lee, if it's okay, we might put your contact info up there. Is that is that all right if some of our listeners Absolutely. have questions? Okay. Absolutely. All right. Sounds and great. as always, you know, we appreciate any uh, likes, shares, whatever. Just let other folks know about the podcast. And that, we're going to sign off. We will see you all next time. Take care now. Thank you. Bye-bye.